Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast. This sermon was taken from the life of the church. For more messages like this, please see our website, www.venturechurch.co.za. We hope you enjoy this message. Amen. Well, if you ever want a, a tip on how to be a leader in Venture Church, get a blue shirt. It's your first step. Good morning. Could, could we uh, stand and pray? Is that okay? Thanks. This is just uh, preaching nerves, I suppose. But uh, let's do it. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for who you are, for how you've already moved this morning. But God, we thank you that you are going to speak to us now. We pray for our hearts that we would receive all that you have for us because you are a good father who gives good gifts to his beloved. So God, we thank you for this morning and we pray that your word would go out and it would not, uh, it would do what it, what you've set out to do this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are in the book of Acts, just in case you haven't known, we are walking through the book of Acts. This is uh, sermon number gazillion, if you're uh, keeping track, and uh, we will continue to, to do more into the future. This morning, I'm speaking on baptism in the Holy Spirit and taking my text from Acts 10, verse 48, 44 to 48. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they had heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water, of their being baptized with water. They had received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them a few days. It's quite an interesting portion of scripture to just jump in. <laughs> you, you definitely need context and we're, we're gonna get there. But this is the, this is the second incident that is seen as the, the Holy Spirit coming, that is recorded, the Holy Spirit coming down. And this time it is on Gentiles, not on Jews, as would happen in Acts 2. There is a slowness to the apostles that is very, very human. They seem to be really dumb, like they don't get it. Jesus had spe spent three years with them, he had spoken to them. He'd given them his heart. The Great Commission says, go into all the world. Yet they had stuck with their own. The promise of in, in Acts 1 verse 8 says, the Holy Spirit will come on you and you will be my witnesses. Jesus gets even practical. He says, in Jerusalem, in this city, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And yet they stayed. They were slow, slow, slow in accepting what God had already spoken. And so before this, before this passage, there's a whole lot of things that have happened. Acts 9, we see 
Saul's conversion. Saul was a guy who was uh, persecuting the church. He was a Pharisee. He was the, the super, super amazing Pharisee. He was so zealous for the things of the Lord that he would kill anyone who went against him. And God turned him, changed him, changed his allegiance. All of a sudden, he became a Jesus follower, not a Jesus persecutor. I think part of that was the slowness of the apostles to actually do something because Saul, who gets called Paul later, he is the apostle to the Gentiles. Okay. Then we have Acts 10. What happens in Acts 10? We have Cornelius, who he's a Roman. He gets a vision from the Lord. An angel comes to speak to him, says, you need to reach out to this guy called Peter. Invite him to come and tell you about me about God, about all the good things. And so he then sends people. While that's happening, Peter has this crazy vision where he sees a blanket come down from heaven. Look, he was really hungry at the time, but he sees this blanket come from heaven. Have you ever been in a hungry place? In a hangry place? Yeah, we've, we've all been there. I've certainly seen definitely Nadine Barnard been there. She's sometimes... <sighs> Oh, sorry. I mean, times have changed. Times have changed. I'm talking about the old Nadine before she was married. <laughs> so Peter sees this vision when he's really hungry. He sees food come down and he's like, Lord, yes. And the, the, unfortunately, it's not what he's used to eating. And uh, the voice says, you know, Peter, get up, kill, and eat. He's like, Lord, I will never. I'm such a good Jew. I will never eat what you've said is unclean. And God says, don't call what, is, what I've called clean, unclean. He has to see that three times before the Lord then says, you need to go with who is coming with, to, to get you. Cornelius' men then arrive and say, hey, we've come to get Peter. Peter then goes with them. Peter then preaches, this is, and this is a big deal, guys. We need to understand the bigness of this deal, that there was a Jew that went into the house of a Gentile, firstly, and then preaches and talks about Jesus and the gospel. And what happens? The Holy Spirit comes down. And he's, he's almost shocked. You can read this in, this in his tone. He's like, while he was speaking, the Holy Spirit came down and all who heard. Then he said, and he says, surely, like, it's like, wow, I can't believe this. Can anyone stand in the way of them getting baptized? He's shocked. He's shocked. The Gentiles receive the Holy Spirit. It's so shocking that in Acts 11, in the next chapter, Peter is like then brought among the, the apostles and he has to then give an account. He's like, what did you do? They're like, he has to like, um, I had this vision. The Lord spoke to me. Holy Spirit was pulled out. He had to then justify his actions. This was, that's how shocking this was. It reminds me of uh, when I was in youth ministry. It's interesting that that's come up again. Um, this morning, but there was a, a, a quote. Uh, 
as youth ministers, as youth pastors, as, as people who lead young people, one of our roles, one of the roles is to help translate to an older generation what God is doing in, in a younger generation. Because often you can't see that it could be possible that God could move in that space. And so you'd have to be a translator. You'd have, to, you'd have to translate what God was doing, the good things that God was doing there, so that they could be accepted by an older generation. So there's, there's this prejudice. There's this prejudice. Because of who Cornelius is and because of who Peter is. Now Cornelius was a Roman officer. Yes, he was God-fearing, just meant that he, you know, okay, cool, you guys are having a Jewish celebration, that's okay. You can do it. He, he was God-fearing. He was respected. He had a good, a good reputation. And it's him who gets visited by, by an angel. He gets a vision. And it causes him to reach out. Peter, on the other hand, he is Jewish. He is very Jewish. Like he is Jewish. And he's very ordinary. He's just a fisherman. He is an ordinary Jewish boy who has just come to know Jesus. His culture did not like the Romans. They were the oppressors. And in fact, they didn't like anyone else, really. Outsiders were not, you weren't Jewish, you were out. Just reading about Nehemiah in my studies and how like they, they, they blockaded the, the gates. They were like, no ways. If, in fact, if they for, married foreigners, it was like instant divorce. They had to like send their wives and their children away. It was like the Jews didn't like non-Jews. They just didn't. And here in this story, <laughs> we have that Peter going to that Cornelius. Peter was hard of hearing, but eventually obedient. That's why I think a lot of us identify with Peter. <laughs> hard of hearing, but eventually obedient. The question though, is who is your most unlikely? For Peter, it was Cornelius. Peter had not imagined one that God could ever be enthroned in a Gentile and in the life of a Gentile. And secondly, that he would be the one to bring about that kind of change, to step into that space, to step into a place where God could use him to help somebody else. Who was a Roman, a Cornelius? Oh, I shudder at the thought. And if there's anything that the Bible has taught me is that there are lessons there for us to live out. So if Peter could go to Cornelius, who is our, who is your most unlikely? Who can you not imagine that God could use or that God could move among? Who is the person or people group or community that you feel that God could never move in or among? Let's, uh, let's turn up the heat if we can a little bit on this image. 
If you were invited to a drag show, would you go? Would you go and talk about the gospel? Talk about the good news? I'm not talking about cars now. <laughs> Hope you know. <laughs> would, you be would you go if you were invited to a government gathering? Maybe the flaunty rich, you know, those Santon folk. <laughs> what if you were invited to ESCOM? Can the light of the Lord shine there? <laughs> what about a group of people who'd don't know Jesus, who are part of a different religion, Hindus or, or Islam. What about them? What about a personal enemy, someone who has wronged you, someone who's betrayed you, maybe a business rival? Peter went to Cornelius. Surely we should have God's heart and go to these people. Maybe we need to get to the point where we can trust that the Lord will give them a vision and that they will reach out. And then maybe we need to trust that God will speak to us in a vision so we can go. or even that he would empower us with his spirit to go to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. It's tough when it gets practical, hey? It's nice when it's theory, when you read it. Ah, oh, that's, a, that's a pretty story. I believe that God is calling us, especially us as Venture Church, to be those people, to be his sent ones, to be his called out ones, to go to the broken, the lost, the hurting, to be a place that is welcoming, that is inviting, where there is no judgment, but where the Lord dwells and where we can see his work among us. See, the Holy Spirit was not poured out so we could have a good time. The Holy Spirit was poured out so we could be empowered for ministry. And ministry means service. It doesn't mean what I'm doing here, although we call it that. And there, there is an aspect to it, but it means service. It means that we serve and love those that are around us, in our worlds, even the unlikely, especially the unlikely. So, who is the Holy Spirit? 
Who is this Holy Spirit we speak of? Well, there's a picture that'll come up. And uh, this is the most, my, the most accurate picture that I can find that shows the Holy Spirit. We can talk about eggs, we can talk about trees, we can talk about water and all of the elements, but this is in fact the most closest to it because all of those pictures of the Holy Spirit kind of fall into comparison, right? Because it, there's always a, an element of things that are not true in that, right? Cool, so we see the Father is God. But the Father is not the Son, and the Father is not the Holy Spirit. The Son is God, but the Son is not the Father, and the Son is the Holy. But the, and the Son is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is not the Father, and the Holy Spirit is not the Son. We see this pictured very clearly in the baptism of Jesus. Who was baptized? Not the Father, not the Holy Spirit, but Jesus. Jesus was baptized. What happened? The Holy Spirit came down, and the Father spoke. Three distinct people. Okay, you can see that there. Three distinct people. So the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is not the Father and not Jesus. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's not an active force or the power of God or an impersonal energy. It is the way. <laughs> if you've watched The Mandalorian. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the force. The Holy, Spirit is, the Holy Spirit is a person. In fact, biblically, there are no impersonal spirits. All spiritual beings are persons. Humans, human beings, angels, God. So what does a person do? Oh yeah, there we go. Who's the Holy Spirit? It's part of the Trinity. It's a person. It's divine. It's a gift and a gift giver. How do we know that the Holy Spirit is a person? Well, a person does certain things, right? And the Holy Spirit does the things that a person does. Okay? You're tracking with me. I like it. I see some heads nodding. It's actually really good to see smiles. Hey? That's a really, that's ah, such a blessing. Hey? So what do people do? What does the Holy Spirit do that is what people do? The Holy Spirit thinks, he has a mind, rational activity. He searches all things. He makes decisions and judgments. He distributes gifts. He speaks, he teaches. He feels emotions such as grief and love and can be lied to and insulted. The Holy Spirit is a person. Incidentally, the, the reason why we have all those scriptures and references there is not just for a cool background, but it's so that you can go and read the Bible for yourself. So that you can investigate and see if it's, if it's in the Bible. And so that God can speak to you through this. Okay, cool. We can move on. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is divine. Cool. He is eternal and immortal. He is omniscient, which is all-knowing. He is omnipresent, which is everywhere. He works, you see him work in creation. The spirit hovered over the, the waters. 
and in the resurrection. He can be blasphemed. If he can be blasphemed, it means that he is God, right? Because you can't blaspheme not God, okay? And he's called God. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, is person, is divine, is a gift. Holy Spirit is a gift. Luke 11, it's Luke 11, eh? Yeah, Luke 11. Which of you fathers, if your sons ask for a fish, will give him a snake instead? All the fathers are like, <laughs> but if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give us, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Holy Spirit is a gift. In fact, how do you get this gift? You ask. You ask. So what about, oh, I mean, he's a gift giver as well in the, the scriptures there. Oh, yeah. Cool, cool. Yes. What about baptism in the Holy Spirit? We, we know that we get, when we come to know Jesus, he comes to, to live inside of us, but there is a separate event, a separate experience, and a and that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 verse 4 to 5 says this, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem. This is Jesus talking, by the way. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised. There it is again. Which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If you think of baptism, baptism is normally with water, and that is a full immersion. What you're doing is you're identifying with Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection, right? That's what's happening in baptism. It's, but it's full immersion. You can't identify with death and burial if it's just, just a little sprinkling, right? So, and baptism actually means full immersion. That's what it, it means. Like, yeah. So if you're baptized in the Spirit, what does that mean? Full immersion. Full immersion. Not a sprinkling, not a little bit, not just to get by, but full immersion. The baptism in the, in the Spirit is the key to unlock the gifts of the Spirit. It unlocks the fullness that we can walk in when we know Jesus. How do we do it? Well, it's received. It's a gift. It's not by force. You don't lose control. It's not an out-of-body experience. God doesn't work like that. He works inside of you. It's like a bubbling up all of a sudden. It's not, you don't become a different person. You're changed, but you don't become a different person. 
It opens the spiritual and the supernatural. Full immersion is for your whole life, not just a Sunday, not just these few hours that we share together, and they are precious. That's not why Jesus came and died and rose again and poured out his spirit. It's not so that we could have great times together. I love them. Don't hear, that. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I love being together as a church. But if this is it, we're missing it. Jill Briscoe said this, you may have no family, no food, no clothes, no future, no spouse, no health, no children, and yet be rich beyond your wildest dreams because you have the Holy Spirit in your life. <laughs> so the Holy Spirit is poured out when Peter preached. And he knew that because there were tongues that were, they started talking in tongues and praising, praising God. And then he went, well, I mean, they might as well get baptized because they've got the gift, that, right? So what is, what is the deal about tongues? It's a, it's a, it's a uh, controversial sub, uh, subject in some circles. But tongues is a sign. It's a sign of baptism in the Holy Spirit. Just so that you know, baptism in the Holy Spirit is not a formula. It's not like, okay, cool, you've done this, now you do this, now you do this. In fact, uh, some people might see it as, cool, you, you get saved, you come to know Jesus, then you might get baptized, and then, then, then you seek the Holy Spirit, and you know, he gets poured out, and, and that's it. That's not what happened here in Scripture, and it's certainly not my, my personal experience. I actually got filled with the Holy Spirit before I was baptized, like way before I got baptized. So it's not a like, oh, you can tick this off, then you, then you tick this off. Okay, cool, now you can talk in tongues, now you, okay, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Actually, there are a couple of, tongues is a sign. It's a sign. It's not the sign. It's a sign. Some of the signs, the other signs are boldness. What happened to Peter? Peter was shaky and nervous around the fire as he waited for Jesus to, well, while Jesus was being interrogated. That same Peter who couldn't say that he followed Jesus stood up in front of thousands of people and declared the goodness of God. What, what was the difference? Was there an incident in between then? Yes, the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. Boldness is a sign. Gifts are a sign. Even the assurance of salvation, being sure and secure, and tongues is also a sign. Hmm. Something else that happened to me when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, was yes, I did start speaking in tongues for the first time, and that has developed as I've spoken those, that language, but... 
I was also filled with joy. There was a joy inside of me that, that like nothing could shake. There was a joy. In Romans somewhere it talks about how righteous, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In the Holy Spirit. So there's a moment of baptism. There is a moment of baptism, but there's also a lifestyle of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5, I'm gonna read from verse 15. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk, we love this part, do not get drunk on wine, that leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus. That be filled with the Spirit, we don't quite have the language for what is actually said in, in the Greek. I'm like winking at Francis to make sure that things are, are accurate here. The Greek has a continuous tense, which we don't. So kind of a better reading of that would be instead, instead of saying, instead be filled with the Spirit, instead continue to be filled with the Spirit as you were when you were baptized in the Spirit. Continue to be filled. The message version of that verse, or those verses says, uh, don't drink too much wine, that cheapens your life. Drink the Spirit of God, huge drafts of Him. <laughs> I love that image, I just see like clinking and ha, and then he goes on to talk about don't sing, sing hymns instead of drinking songs. Ha, ha. Jill Briscoe again says, God has given His people what we need uh, what we need to fill up when we run low. It's the incredible gift of himself dwelling inside us. It's the person of God we call the Holy Spirit. The truth is that we leak. We leak. We're full immersion, but we leak. <laughs> Have you ever heard someone say, oh, what a day, I need a drink? <laughs> Maybe we need to seek for a filling in those moments. What a day. Oh, Holy Spirit, I need your power. I need you to fill me again. I need your spirit. Joel 2, when uh, Peter stands up and preaches and he says that the Holy Spirit, this is not, they're not drunk. <laughs> I love that image. They're not drunk. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter says, hey, looks back to Joel 2 where it says, where God says he'll pour out his spirit on all people. On all people people. Which means, this is what this means. It means that baptism in the Holy Spirit, that even speaking in tongues and the signs of that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit is not for the special few. It's not for the blue-shirted guys in the front. It's for everyone. It's for all people. It is not just for the unlikely even, but it is just a gift from a loving father.
If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So we are called to receive the Holy Spirit. And that means that we are baptized and we are constantly refilled. So this morning, I mean, I'm sure there are more than two people in this room, but there are two people in this room. One, you need to be baptized, as in a first time, never experienced the, the baptism, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And the second, secondly, is that you need a refilling. We all leak. We all need encouragement. We all need to, to experience that. Remember, the experience is not just for anything. It's not just to feel good, but it is for ministry. It is empowering to go and to go even to the unlikely. Thank you for listening to this sermon. We would love to know how this message spoke to you. Please connect with us through our website, www.venturechurch.co.za or through our various social channels.